1: This is Giles Milton, host of the Unknown History Podcast, and you're listening to a special mini-series from historian Jack Kelly, author of Edge of Anarchy, on Railroad Barons, the Gilded Age, and the Greatest Labour Uprising in America. Hi, I'm Jack Kelly, and this is part three of the Labour special, the Pullman Empire. The Pullman car is one of those things we've heard about, but we're maybe not quite clear about what it was. In fact, it was a railroad car invented back in the 1860s that allowed a passenger to get a good night's sleep. It was named for George M. Pullman, a highly successful Chicago businessman. In the 1890s, he was known as the Sleeping Car King. That's a quaint term today, hard to imagine that a man could make a fortune in sleeping cars. But in America after the Civil War, The railroads really were the roads to riches for many. In those days, almost everyone who traveled any distance traveled by train. If you look at maps of the railroads of the day, they look like plates of spaghetti. Trunk lines spanned the country, local lines connected cities, towns, tiny hamlets, and even individual farms, which shipped their milk and produce to town by rail. But rail travel, although it was faster than a journey by stagecoach or horse and buggy, was still no pleasure. Trains were hot in summer, cold in winter, and sooty all the time. They were noisy, the seats were uncomfortable, and a trip that lasted several days was a real ordeal. In the 1860s, just as the first transcontinental railroad was being born, George Pullman had a brainstorm. He imagined that making train travel comfortable could make a man big money. The classic Pullman car is largely forgotten now, although you'll sometimes see them in old movies. In its most common form, it was a convertible car. During the day, it looked like an ordinary coach car with seats. At night, it could be transformed into a two-tiered dormitory with clean, comfortable upper and lower berths for passengers to stretch out in. Pullman named his business the Pullman Palace Car Company, and the cars really were rolling palaces. Their elegant appointments and comfort set them apart. Double glazing and improved ventilation made them far more pleasant than the typical passenger car. Carved wood and brocade seats and chandeliers added the kind of luxury that Victorians loved. Passengers were willing to pay for this luxury just as they're willing to pay for an upgrade to business or first class on a modern airline. Pullman arranged for each railroad to include the company-owned cars on its trains, pocketing the extra fare passengers had to pay to ride in one. Travel was transformed. One passenger noted that what was once really tedious has become a pleasure. George Pullman came up with the first railroad dining car, also very elegant, and the name Pullman became synonymous with the height of fashion. Besides offering a taste of luxury to middle-class travelers, Pullman sold private cars to the very wealthy so that they could travel in style without having to rub elbows with the lower classes. These cars were pure, over-the-top luxury with rare wood paneling and stained glass and gold-plated plumbing fixtures. Although his name is not as well-known as that of his friend Andrew Carnegie, George Pullman was one of the wealthiest men of his day, a full-fledged member of the club known as the Robber Barons. When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different
0: trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own, so this is why they call it Devil's River, trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours.
1: Good morning. Maybe it's a brand new day. Experience But Pullman did have an idealistic streak. His sleeping cars required the services of porters who made up the beds and tended to passengers' needs. Pullman hired for these roles African-American men, many of them freed slaves. In post-Civil War America, persons of color had very few options and welcomed the work. At one point, the Pullman Company was the largest employer of African-Americans in the country. George Pullman was also concerned about the slums that were beginning to spread in American cities, so he constructed a large company town adjacent to his factory on the outskirts of Chicago. This planned community, which he built in 1880, included the Midwest's first indoor shopping mall, as well as parks, flower beds, and neat brick homes for the company's employees. Many thought it was the beginning of a new era that it offered a model for cities of the future that were free of urban problems. A London newspaper called it the most perfect city in the world. But George Pullman's instinct, his obsession really, for making money continually came into conflict with his ideals. Yes, he hired African-American porters, but at first he paid them nothing. They had to work for tips. When they did receive a salary, it was far below that of white workers. And the porters were required to grin and bear it when racist passengers treated them with contempt. Pullman's model town was also founded on a money-making basis. It would attract and cultivate better, more efficient workers, Pullman thought. The amenities he provided residents would pay for themselves. They would prove what he called the commercial value of beauty. The sleeping car king kept a rigid control over the town. He only rented the homes, never allowed workers to own them, and any resident could be evicted at 10 days' notice. There was no town government. The company ran everything. Pullman assumed that he had the right to regulate employees' lives off the job as well as on. He posted lists of petty rules and regulations. He allowed no taverns in the town. He hired spies who reported on employees' activities. One critic asked, What is Pullman but a plantation, a penitentiary, a slave pen, where 4,000 men come and go at the beck and call of one man? Others called the project well-wishing feudalism and, in the end, un-American. Obsessed with control and with turning a profit, Pullman adamantly opposed labor unions. Like many Gilded Age employers, he saw unions as attempts to usurp his power. Simply talking about unionization or attending an organizing meeting could get a man fired. So with no release valve, the discontent in the model town festered for years. During the business slump that began in 1893, Pullman cut the wages of his workers But didn't lower their rents. The discontent that resulted came to a head the following year with a devastating strike that spread far beyond Pullman's factory, turned into a national crisis, and held dire consequences for George Pullman and for the country. You've been listening to guest historian Jack Kelly. I'm your host, Giles Milton. Tune in to the Unknown History Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify or at quickanddirtytips.com Thanks for listening.
0: When you visit a state as big and diverse as Texas, there are a million different trips you can take. Let's say you've got an appetite for whitewater kayaking. You can get your own... So this is why they call it Devil's River. ...trip to Texas. Or maybe you have an actual appetite. I'll take a pound of brisket, six ribs, uh, three links of sausage, and a piece of pecan pie. Trip to Texas. Go to TravelTexas.com slash get your own for the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours.